it is one of the difficult things that parents have to deal with, and certainly we as physicians have to deal with it as well, trying to explain to parents how to deal with the issues surrounding terrorism and all the other problems that are associated with the immediate effects of what we see brought into our home through television and other media outlets. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, and welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. Today we have a very special guest. It's Denise Daniels. She is the founder of Jelly Jam Entertainment, and that was developed by the Moosters, which is a children's brand designed to teach kids fundamentals of feelings. And Denise is a Peabody Award-winning broadcast journalist, author, caring and child expert. And I wanted to have her on today to talk a little bit about the issues we face in primary care when we're trying to deal with parents and try to help them in how to cope with the issues such as terrorism, which seems like it's becoming more of a, if not an everyday issue, a regular issue. So first of all, Denise, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Doctor. My first question for you is, I mean, it is definitely a different world for kids now. I mean, when I grew up, yes, I grew up and lived through the JFK and um, assassination, but it was just, in my own world, cartoons were interrupted and it seemed like it was on TV, but it wasn't in my face and, and such a dramatic thing. In today's world, I know with my children, when they were young, they, they lived through September 11th, and they were frightened because they saw it come into their home. You, you can only maximize that now because we have 24-hour cable with television stations coming in with news all the time, all those things. Tell me how it's impacting kids. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I look back to... I think I'm the same age as you are because I remember President Kennedy and when he was murdered, and it was such a terrible, terrible, dark time for our country, but we never saw anything like that. And we used to say to kids, you know, the reason this is on the news is because it's such an unlikely occurrence. But nowadays there's a steady drum roll of these graphic depictions on the news, and kids can see they're walking through, you know, the TV room when the TV is on. Parents seem concerned. They're kind of glued to the TV sets, and it's so scary for children, and they don't understand it. And so lots of times, and this is a really normal thing for parents, I feel the same way, we want to protect our kids from the harsh realities of life. But the fact is that we need to give them age-appropriate information so they can master control over situations that feel like they're spinning out of control for them. You know, Mr. Rogers, the beloved TV host, always used to say, what's mentionable is manageable. And, and that is really true. In my work with children, even very, very young children, preschoolers, They want and need accurate information because they use their imagination and magical thinking, and they think that what's in their mind and what is happening is so much scarier. So having information helps them not be as confused and feel more comfortable. So that's why we need to start talking to kids about these tough issues even when they're young. One of the concerns I have, I know, when we talk with our own parents uh, dealing with their children is the immediacy of things. Um, and, I, and I'm and i not really sure how to answer that question. As a family doctor, I go, well, I don't know how immediate it is to them, but it must seem very real with big screen televisions and, and the fact that it's coming into them. Because I know for me, I can sure. find myself stressed out if I, I see an event and I kind of get absorbed into it. Right. And I think, too, um, technology has introduced a whole different way of delivering news. I mean, people, parents are seeing it on their iPhones. Like, I can remember when the um, 
what was happening in Brussels was the last terrorist attack. And I can remember my daughter calling me from Seattle saying, Mom, can you believe it? And when I took the kids to nursery school this morning, all the moms were on their iPhones talking about it. And, you know, we have to assume that if we're hearing about it, children are hearing about it. What we learned during 9-11, because I was involved in, in setting up the grief groups for um, on Pure 94 uh, for the kids who had lost loved ones at, you know, at Ground Zero, and one of the things that we learned is that children were like sponges. It was very obvious there because that's where the uh, crisis was happening. But many children across the country, just from seeing the loop uh, on the news of the buildings coming down and the airplanes flying in, as you said, Doctor, it's so immediate that kids are thinking, wow, this is happening in my neighborhood, and and it's happening over and over again. So the, the key to all of this, is, especially for younger children, is making sure that you're turning off your television, you're minimizing, you know, their exposure to it, because it's very hard for them to understand, and we need to put it into context for them. And I agree with you. I think the minimization of exposure, if possible, is certainly very important. And the other thing you mentioned, which I'd like to touch on and maybe expand a little bit, is you were saying don't deny the reality of it. In other words, you have to explain to them, at least in an age-appropriate way, that that something real may have happened and not belittle it or minimize it, I guess. Well, right. And by putting it into perspective, I mean that you have to, I always believe in starting with what the child understands. Physical contact during a time of stress is really important. You can draw your child over to you and hold them on their lap. You want to increase your hugs and and snuggle time and connecting with them emotionally. But you also want to say, you know, lots of people are talking about this. Have you heard anything about it or what are people saying? And you hear all kinds of things from little kids. They will say, well, they're chopping off heads. I know it sounds terrible to even say that, but, you know, it's some of the feedback we're getting from young children. And parents don't know how to handle that naturally. Who would? Even as adults, it's hard for us to understand. But we need to talk to them in terms of, particularly young children, in terms of good and bad, because little ones will understand that, right? And they will understand there's a very bad, there are very bad people, yes, but there are many good people in the world, too. Um, we ha- and we have to balance that for them. And you can talk about, okay, let's make a list of all the good people we know. And the children are always surprised because there are many more good people on their list than bad people. So, again, that's just another strategy to help put it into context for kids. And then you want to also not only reassure them, but let them know, you know, give them, give them um, pointers like, you know, our job as your mom and dad is to make sure that you are safe. And your teachers at school and the school principals and go through all the different people that are there to take care of them, the police department, the EMT people, your doctors, and, and I get that made me think of something else. You know, we want to teach kids how to take care of themselves during times of stress. And one of the things we teach kids is, is, you know, if we love
love them. We're going to take care of them. We're going to see that they go to the dentist. They go visit their doctors. I mean, those are all ways that we empower children to be able to take care of themselves during times of stress. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me today is Denise Daniels. We are talking about the issues with terrorism and really the immediacy of what kids can see on TV and and what it means to them. I know you have had workbooks. uh, You reach a lot of children with them. Um, What about, again, getting back to the doctors and working with pediatric physicians, primary care physicians, Talking directly to the children, what, what do you see the role as the healthcare professional in, in dealing with these things? Kind of maybe counseling parents or actually talking about those things with the kids? Well, I think it's actually both because I think you can always talk to your child, but if the parents are feeling uncomfortable, kids are like, they're very intuitive, they're very perceptive, they're like little sponges. And even if we're not talking to them about the event, they can sense that maybe we're more stressed out. As you said earlier, when you see something on the news, you're really watching it, and that's very common because a lot of adults are. And it's certainly okay to say, you know, we don't understand what's happening right now either. And um, I really think that it's okay to say to your child that you're going to get information, and you want to talk to them in a way that lets them know, for example, if they're afraid, a parent needs to say, it's a really good thing that you came to me and that you can share your feelings about being afraid. Because when people keep their feelings locked up inside, it can cause all kinds of aches and pains. You know as a physician, lots of times you'll see kids that have psychosomatic symptoms because they, they're so stressed out. They may have tummy aches. It's just like when they're nervous about going to school, they're anxious. They, we see regressive behavior. It's not uncommon for kids not to want to let their parents out of their sight, or they start sucking their thumb, or they're not sleeping, or they're not eating, and they're kind of withdrawing. That is not unusual. If it goes on for a prolonged period of time, we want to make sure that that child is being seen by their family physician. And and the family physician or the pediatrician can make a referral if they think it's warranted. But I think we also need to look at the parents and provide the support for them and the script for what they should say to their kids because they look to us as health professionals to be able to coach them, and, and that's what they need. So I think getting the word out about how do you talk to your kids about this stuff, it's difficult stuff. It should be, in in my personal opinion, there should be handouts in medical clinics for patients um, uh, that you're seeing. And I do something called Guidelines for Grownups that I write, and it kind of gives parents scripts on what You know, you should say to kids that are in elementary school, what do you do with kids that are in high school, you know, that are angry about this? Um, How do you identify it in a preschooler? Um, I think that's really part of our responsibility as a healthcare practitioner is to be able to give parents information because we know they turn to us first. Wanted to ask you, ask you while you're here, you know, it was much easier. Again, parenting was probably tougher in some ways, easier in others. It's probably that mm-hmm. way forever. But you could control, let's say, television. You could even control video games. Now, because of um, whether it's an iPhone uh, or any of these devices, these handheld devices that many children have can really be open access to the world. What are some concerns that you have for kids who have access to this? I mean, the range from child predators all the way to seeing things that maybe they shouldn't be seeing. 
Right. I think you have to consider the age of your child and the and the um, reason you're giving them an iPhone. You know, there's always this big debate about how much screen time, and, and we used to say uh, the American Psychological Association, I think the American Academy of Pediatrics, used to say no more than two hours. That was the research we were all going off of, no uh, two hours of screen time a day, limiting limiting that. But what happens is that so many of the kids have these iPhones and they get information so quickly, as you just mentioned, but there isn't anyone there to process that information with them. And that's the scary thing that I'm seeing is that kids see these images on their iPhone and there's nobody to talk to. Maybe they're home alone, maybe their parents are at work and you know, there's a breaking news story. It comes across their iPhone. And so we really need to stay one step ahead of our kids with the iPhones and consider the age of your child and do they really need to have one. And I think it can creep into all of our lives. I know, for instance, I love watching sporting events, and I've, been, I've subscribed to Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and then all of a sudden I'm counting. <laughs> you sound like my husband. <laughs> right. And, I, and I, all I care about are the sports comments that are coming through. But then all of a sudden something pops in and you hear the latest news story before it even makes the news. You know, right. and, and you're an adult, you process it. But I'm sure there's 12-year-old baseball fans you know, watching the same game with the same sportscast, but they have the same things coming on to Twitter as well. And like you said, if they're alone and there's no one to process it, that can be a concern. Right, and so when parents know that there's a breaking news story and the child is at school, you know, kids hear about that stuff on the playground. Or they could be driving in carpool and the radio's on and they hear it, and they're going to have questions. So that's why I like parents to bring it up. I was at a meeting not that long ago, and um, there was a gentleman there at the meeting, and he was saying, oh, I have a, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and, and we don't let them watch TV, and they have no clue what's going on. And this was back when the Paris attacks happened. And, you know, I just looked at him and I said, I have to be honest with you, they know. And if they don't, you need to tell them. So you need to do it in a way you consider their age. I always um, advise parents to start with what they already know. Have you heard about this? Are kids talking about it? And they may just say no, because really they don't want to talk about it. And it's not about putting pressure on our children to talk about it. It's more about being present and engaged with them and getting answers to their questions, simple information based on their age. But also it's a matter of listening to their feelings. It's a matter of listening with empathy, which we always want to do as parents, and being able to validate their feelings, even if we don't disagree with them. That's the very first step. And then discuss the issues with them so they feel like they're being heard, because that is a really important EQ skills. If you want to be a high EQ, emotional intelligent parent, you want to be sure you're being an empathetic listener and you're validating your child's feelings and giving them ways to express them. I mean, play for young children is a great way for them to be able to express their feelings. So, Well, Denise Daniels, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary thank Care you, today on ReachMD. And your website is themoodsters.com, correct? That's the best way if they, people um, want to learn more Denise about Denise Daniels Parenting is the grown-up um, part of the Moodsters. Which probably so, most of my audience would rather go to, yes. <laughs> it's a Denise Daniels Parenting. my site first and then go to the Moodsters. Because that's for the children. So we have a parent section on that as well. So 
We'll leave it up to the physicians listening, but my guess is they will probably go to your site, but it might not be bad to go to the boosters, too. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit reachmd.com slash primary care today to download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thanks for listening.